Well, the web is a wonderful resource for information, and uh, there's so much we can do that is positive, but uh, I've had kids who kind of prioritize the web. They're, they're on their phone, they're looking at YouTube videos, they're researching things, they're just like on the device, on a screen. That doesn't help their social development. I'm John Fuller, along with our Vice President of Parenting, Dr. Danny Huerta. And Danny, you're a counselor. You talk to people. Has this changed over the years? Has this intensified this whole screen thing? And and then is there a correlation between screens and loneliness? Because it seems like more and more kids are dealing with isolation, mm-hmm. especially coming out of COVID, of course. Yeah, the easy answer is yes and yes, right? Okay. There's more loneliness and there's uh, there, there's more screen time and, and time being used on screens really by, by kids. And there's a lot of complexity to that. Society requires that we use screens in certain ways, and it's what type of screen time is being sought after by a child and why. So there may be a person going to social media because they feel alone and they feel that's going to be their only place of connection, mm-hmm. where there's another child that may be on social media just to get some cool ideas, and they're in and out um, here and there throughout the day. And one has a lot more... Uh, tied up as far as identity and connection, and the other one, it's more just entertainment and having fun. Then you have boys that enter into the video game world, and their whole identity is tied up with how far they get in the video game world, Mm -hmm. and they get sucked into that, and that's the only place they've got friends. And then you have some others that like to consume video games with friends live. They get together and have it more as a social thing. And so... There's a lot of complexity that we're finding here within the, the technology space. But I would say that kids are certainly struggling more so now with a sense of emptiness, and they don't know how to describe it. Mm-hmm. And it's this loneliness where they, they see other people are doing things they're not participating in, and they don't feel truly known by people. Yeah, Even the, the ones that have several likes, I don't think they, they are thinking they're fully known. Yeah, there's always something more. There's always there's something more else numbers there. to pursue. And so do we yeah. really know each other? We, we long for that, to mm-hmm. know one another. And I, I remember this one young man, he came in uh, because of depression, anxiety, found out he was pretty addicted to video games. He was so lonely. He didn't want the session to even end. Hmm. He wanted to continue to talk. He, he felt, felt very alone. Yeah. And he was super good on the, in the video game world, was one of the top. But he felt so alone and disconnected and was a social guy. He wanted to connect but felt very inadequate, insecure, anxious, socially anxious. Mm-hmm. So he didn't know how to interact with people live and, and saw that in the video game world, highly successful, but so lonely. Yeah. Well, we're going to revisit a conversation that Focus President Jim Daly had with Dana Gresh. And while the emphasis is on girls and their struggles with the online world, there's a lot of application for uh, your boys. So listen in to this great clip. You know, it's important. We're concentrating on your book, Lies Girls Believe. So we're not trying to bash women and girls without, you know, a reciprocal boy-man thing. But... That's the topic today. Yeah, you guys have your issues, we should say. And for those, but women are (laughs) highly sensitive to this, and we'll get criticism that, why are you so tough on women? It's not to hurt or harm anybody. We're talking about those lies that girls Mm -hmm. believe, that those little seeds get in their Mm -hmm. heart. And as parents, we've got to be attentive to uh, helping them better understand their image in Christ, who they are in Christ, et cetera. And loneliness really is a problem right now in a special way. 
um, really about the year 2019, I started looking at stats and trends because we saw what can only be described as hockey stick growth in the loneliness of teens. Now, anytime you see hockey stick growth, that means something significant happened. Generally, sociologists see slow climbing trends or slow declines, right? You don't see boom up or boom down. What we see is this hockey stick trend of loneliness in teenagers um, starting about the year 2007 or 2008. Now, at the same time, we were seeing hockey stick trends, a downward trend of kids not spending time hanging out with each other. Mm-hmm. You see kids in the 70s, it's like they're all hanging out, and then it must have been the Reagan years, suddenly in like the 80s and 90s, it comes down a little bit, it like slowly slopes down. But then in 2007, boom, kids are not hanging out with each other. Again, starting about 2007, what happened in 2007? Cell phone. Smartphones. <laughs> That's what Smartphones, happened. Smartphones, um, right. social media came to be. Yeah. And now kids, they say kids are spending an average of nine hours a day on their phones for entertainment. I think it's a lot higher than that. And that tweens are spending about five hours a day on some sort of a device. And they're doing entertainment, YouTube sometimes social media, even under the age of 12, even though it's really not recommended under Mm. the age of 12. So that is creating a new dynamic of loneliness that we haven't seen previously. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I observed in my own teen uh, that there's a lot of life and landscape that you miss when you're down here. Yeah. And that's what you're saying is happening. Yeah. And their hearts feel it. Dana, in addition to that loneliness factor you're talking about, in a highly connected culture, teen culture, mm-hmm. preteen culture, where they've got so much accessibility to chat, do their Twitters or whatever yeah. they're doing now, I don't even know. That's how disconnected I can be sometimes. But in that regard, uh, cyberbullying is yeah. something that seems to be heavily weighted toward girls. Um, you know, girls that get um, really ridiculed and Mm -hmm. and bullied in a social media context. Describe that and the importance of combating that and being in touch with your daughters about the effect of that. Well, I think that is part of what creates the loneliness. It's not just that there's not um, a friendship right in front of me who I can trust and I'm getting to know and I'm making eye contact, I'm reading nonverbals, and I'm feeling loved and connected. But when she's on social media, she's not getting any of that. And it's really easy to distort even a neutral message. Let's say you see a picture of your friend at a friend's birthday that you didn't get invited to. Suddenly that becomes FOMO, fear of missing out. And that spirals into a lot of insecurity. But then there is literally um, cyberbullying can be very deadly, very dangerous, not always to a girl's physical body, but to her spirit. It, it, it crushes a girl's mm-hmm. heart, and she can begin. It can feed lies that she already believes about herself. Yeah. You know, um, lies that she's not loved, that she's not worth anything, that she's not beautiful. Like we heard that example at the top of the program. That not feeling beautiful is really an important thing. God created women to be kind of, I think, the epitome of His creation. This beautiful 
expression of his beauty. Mm. And I think that's a good and beautiful thing, and it's to be celebrated. But when the world is distorting it with lights and makeup and poreless skin, and this girl shows up and she's like, I don't look like that when I wake up. Guess what? Neither does that celebrity look like that when they wake up. They've already been through hair and makeup to fake that picture. Um, But then you put on top of that the bullying, where they're actually told horrible things about themselves. Danny, some really serious stuff that uh, Dana Gresh and Jim Daly were talking about there. Um, Cyberbullying seems to be more and more. What can we do first as parents to be aware that it might be happening in the beat to do something about it? It requires having a relationship, right, with our kids and knowing what they're doing online and and, and not being afraid to put boundaries, limits, and also just processes of communication when you're owning something so powerful Mm. as a smartphone and social media accounts. And most of the cyberbullying they have found happens in Instagram. There's also Snapchat and the Facebook side, but we know the kids, the the main one, the highest percentage is on Instagram. TikTok also has some there. And they said that at least a third, they being researchers, have, Mm. have found that a third of middle and high school students face some type of cyberbullying mm-hmm. along, along the way. And these are kids that are online, right? And uh, most of them do not report anything to parents or teachers. They found that more than 50% don't say anything, and only 9% actually tell their parents and talk to them about it. So it requires you reaching out, hey, how's it going? Anything there um, bugging you? And sometimes they won't share yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to so, say, no, Dad. Yeah, no, there's nothing. You can see in their behaviors. Mm-hmm. And once you, when you see that shift or you're seeing their, their sense of inadequacy show on the external, just say, hey, there's, there's some, some tough stuff happening online, isn't there? And just guess. <laughs> Take a wild guess. If you see that and you may hit something and they may start crying and be ready for that, just hold them and, uh, and say, hey, let's, let's talk about this. I'm sorry you're experiencing this. Know that sometimes they've told a friend. So if you have some of the friends over, like yesterday we had my daughter's friends over to have a Bible study and, and we had prayer time together. Those are good moments to talk about, hey, so what's going on mm-hmm. in, in your guys' lives and having some type of uh, mentorship influence in, in some of your kids' friends' lives. Now, it doesn't always turn out that way. My daughter just, we, we happen to have a relationship like that. And I know not all parents have that with their teen. Uh, it doesn't mean you're doing something wrong or bad. It just happens that this is how, what kind of relationship I have right now with my daughter. And, and so my wife and I are able to speak into these kids' lives and they're able to open up and they've talked about some toxic things in their culture at the, at the school. And just with your kids, normalize getting help. Help them... Uh, have open discussions, talk about safeguards you need to put on the phone, and then have face-to-face time with patients with Mm -hmm. your kids. You're going to have to sacrifice something and say no to something to carve out intentional time with your kids and teach them cognitive reframing. This is a big word, John, and it's reframing what someone has said. Reframing means, oh, they're saying it out of a place of insecurity or they're needing something themselves, and it's not personal to me. It's being able to reframe the picture that was just mm-hmm. created by someone that is hurting or in pain and has flung it into your world 
help them learn how to cognitively handle when they intersect with them. Yeah, that's really good. And we recognize you may feel, as I've certainly felt over the years, inadequate for those conversations. You take it personally or you don't know how to crack that, uh, that defense mechanism your child has. If you don't know where to turn, please know that uh, because of generous donors, we have a terrific counseling team here at the ministry, and they're a phone call away. You can call in, and they'll schedule a time for a callback, um, and they'll talk through with you what's going on. They'll give you some tips and recommendations. And if you need an ongoing counseling relationship to tackle some of this stuff, uh, we've got a trusted network of counselors literally across the country. So uh, give us a call and let us help you start those conversations, those face-to-face difficult conversations with your child. Uh, The number is 800-A-FAMILY, 800, the letter A in the word family, and then we've got the link in the show notes. While you're at the show notes, be sure to look up Dana's book, uh, Lies Girls Believe, which we've bundled with another one of Dana Gresh's books, A Mom's Guide to Lies Girls Believe. This is a terrific bundle, and uh, we're going to throw in a free download of our entire conversation with Dana, um, and we're making those resources available for a one-time gift or an ongoing gift of any amount to the ministry. If you can, sign up to be a, a monthly pledge partner to the ministry. That's what my wife and I do, and we get updates, and we feel like, yeah, we're contributing to the work of focus on a regular basis. If you're not in a spot to do that, uh, a generous one-time gift of any amount certainly fuels our uh, efforts here at ministry. All the details for the impact focus makes and ways you can partner with us uh, are right there in the show notes. We're going to hear next time about raising kids who have godly values. It'll be Dr. Randy Schrader. And for now, on behalf of Dr. Danny Huerta and the entire team, thanks for joining us for the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. As a parent, it's easy to find myself sitting backseat to my kids in the backseat. It's tough to be a step ahead. In full honesty, I'm pretty hard on myself when that happens. But I've found Practice Makes Parent, a podcast from Focus on the Family, hosted by Dr. Danny Huerta and Rebecca St. James. It helps me be more intentional and not feel alone when things get tough. Everything they share is practical and well-practiced, and I can use it right away. Listen to Practice Makes Parent wherever you get your podcasts.